Praise God, it's good to have Cleveland, Tullahoma, and the Athens family right here from Chattanooga. We're excited to be connected together tonight, all of us together in the house of the Lord, whether you're in Athens or Tullahoma or Cleveland, or you're right here in the Chattanooga campus, the Lord's been so kind. And um, can I just testify, Sunday night was my favorite night ever as a pastor. I, we've had incredible services and God's been, we've been in some really powerful moves of God, but it was just sweet to see the whole family together. Anybody enjoy that on Sunday night? And I was just so grateful, overwhelmed with thanksgiving at what the Lord has done. And I'm grateful for what the Lord is doing at every location and every location in a very special and it's okay to say it in a very different way. Every location is experiencing the blessing of God and the favor of God. And how many know the best is still yet to come? Can somebody say amen? Tonight I want to finish a conversation I started last week and somebody who loves me very much said, uh, well, I won't say what they call me, but they call me dad, so that tells you something. They said, dad, you read a whole passage of scripture and never talked about it again. Anybody know that's true? I broke one of the very, very cardinal rules of preaching. You're not supposed to read the text and never visit it again, uh, but I'm going to visit it tonight because I expect y'all to be able to read my mind. And I thought y'all knew while I was teaching I would get back there this Wednesday. So I'm going to go back there tonight. Cleveland, Athens, Tullahoma, Chattanooga. We're going to go back to the Gospel of St. Mark. Let's go back to the Gospel of St. Mark. And uh, we want to talk tonight about the man from Gadara, from the Gadarenes. How many remember reading this story last week? Was anybody here last week? Do y'all care? I don't know. I just, we read it last week. And rather than reading it all through again tonight, um, I want to talk about again the function of an apostolic church. Come on, tell your neighbor there's a way that an apostolic church operates. Come on, talk to each other in Cleveland and in Athens and in Tullahoma here in Chattanooga. There is a way that an apostolic church operates. And I want to talk about that tonight. I want us to go back to this story. And let me just, let me just chat if you can have some mercy on me. Um, let me go to verse number 18. Verse number 18 of Mark chapter 5. When you have that, say amen. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might go with him or be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Everyone say Decapolis. Decapolis. I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about the function of an apostolic church. I'll take a few minutes tonight and review what we talked about last week and then I'm going to jump into this uh, fresh part of this assignment that we have not talked about yet. So let's pray. Lord, thanks for the people of God. Thanks for the family. Thanks for the way you've blessed us. Thanks for the way you've knit our hearts together. I pray you would superintend and sanction this time of teaching tonight, that you would send the Spirit of God, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest upon us 
and that the power of the Holy Spirit would be here while we teach, that hearts and minds would be uh, unlocked and that people would begin to receive and to see and to hear things that they've never heard or perhaps never been aware of before. I bless Athens, I bless Cleveland, I bless Tullahoma, I bless Chattanooga. By the preaching and teaching of the word, God, I ask you to transport us from glory to glory, from one level of operation to another. By the Spirit of God, may we get there tonight in Jesus' name. And the family said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So last week we talked about sort of a foundational thing about um, what an apostolic church is. And I told you, and, and uh, I think it bears repeating, an apostolic church is not a denomination. An apostolic church is a church that is on a mission. The word apostolos itself means sent, to be sent. And when we see that Ephesians chapter four, Jesus in his ascension gifts, remember, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, the edifying of the church so that she be fully furnished, accomplish everything that Christ put her on the planet to do. The apostle, or the grace of the apostle, or the apostolic grace of God on the church, is that grace that I believe is the sending grace of God. It is as if God sends a man, a woman, a group of people into a place almost like the tip of a spear piercing through the darkness to establish on the earth the kingdom of God from which they were birthed. How many in this place tonight, how many in Cleveland, Athens, Tullahoma, how many of us are born again? Lift your hands if you're born again. If you're born again, you have been born not of the flesh, Jesus would say. You have been born of the spirit of God. And how many know sometimes we live in an earth that doesn't understand our, our spiritual, um, they don't understand the spiritual reality that we're living in, uh, but the reality of it is that we are born not of this world, we are born of the Spirit. We are born of the kingdom of God. We are citizens not just of America, not just of the nation you were born in, but I hope tonight you're beginning to grasp the idea, and some of you have been here for years, I hope you're beginning to grasp the idea that our citizenship is not just in this country, our citizenship is from the country from which we were born, when we were born again, can you say amen? I say that to say when you and I were born again by the Spirit of God, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we do not wait till we get to that country called heaven before we experience heaven, but Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, how many know we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to taste heaven on earth? In fact, we have a responsibility to be gates, to be places, to be the kind of people that invite the presence of God in so that the presence of God can invade humanity, invade our generation, that the Spirit of God can work through our lives to touch other people so that people who are ignorant of the reality of the goodness of God can come into a revelation of how good God is because of the kingdom of God being manifested through our life. Can somebody say amen? So apostolic grace on a church is the sending forth of God 
into the earth on a kingdom assignment, and when you are sent by God, you are not sent by God just to build your own kingdom. You and I are not sent by God to build our own churches. We are sent by God to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Come on, Romans says that the earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. From north, north to south and east to west, the earth is not looking for another, uh, they're not looking for another political giant, they're not looking for another get-rich-quick scheme. Those things don't last, those things don't make a difference, those things don't change lives. But what the earth is looking for is a people, a somebody, who can demonstrate what it looks like not just to be religious but to be a child of God and walk in the things of God because that's what creation, it's not just humanity but the earth itself is groaning. The earth itself is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. So we have more than a, a religious obligation, we have a spiritual responsibility that we are to steward. Jesus is looking for gates you and I are gates through which the kingdom of God can be seen and manifested in the earth. And as an apostolic church, we know, as I said last week, we are not just here on an assignment. We are not just here to fill up space. We are here on an assignment. And I talked briefly. I just mentioned it and kept going because I feel like tonight we will go a little deeper in this. I use a word called colonization. Anybody remember that last week? Yeah. Colonization. Colonization is when... A person from one place is transplanted and put into another place with a responsibility of transforming that place that they are sent. Somebody say sent. Mm -hmm. That place that they are sent will be transformed until it begins to look like the place from which they were sent. Uh-huh. That is the responsibility of an apostolic church is to come into a place God sends us and begin to experience God in a way and demonstrate the kingdom of God in a way and manifest the kingdom of God in a way until the people who do not know that God or know his kingdom suddenly become aware of a different kind of life that can be accessed and lived and they want to come into that kingdom and are born again for themselves. This is why, I can't go deep into this, but I don't have time, but this is why I believe so many people are, uh, and there's a, a, a whole study done about um, disenfranchised people who are leaving the church. I'm telling you why they're leaving the church. They're not leaving God, they're leaving religion. I didn't get no help right there. They're not leaving God, they're leaving religion because God is a good God and the kingdom of God is the greatest kingdom that the entire universe has ever known. But the problem is we have not demonstrated the kingdom, we have demonstrated church. And people are coming up empty when church is all we give them. Is the church necessary? Yes, you need to be planted and plugged in in a local church. Somebody say amen. But it's not for the entity of the church and the, and the church is not an end to the means. The church is the vehicle and the place God has called so that the kingdom can be represented on the earth. We're on a kingdom assignment that makes us apostolic and the word colonization, the colonization of the nations of the earth. I just really believe this with all my heart. And Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe, God bless his soul. Many of you may know him. Some of you may never heard of him. 
God gave him such a revelation on the kingdom of God years ago, and he's in heaven today. But he began to preach the kingdom of God in such a transformational way, and it impacted so many, including my own life. And I think we gotta get back to that message of the kingdom, because we're in a real danger, if not careful, of, of the conversation being totally and strictly about the church. And I wanna tell you right now, the church is not the end all, the kingdom of God is where it all will end one day. Amen. And so he didn't say, seek you first the church. He says, seek you first the kingdom. Mm. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you need in life will be added. If you'll get a kingdom priority, God will bless everything your hands are on. I need a help right there. I said, if you'll get a kingdom priority, come on, I'm a businessman, I'm not a church person. Listen, if you get a kingdom revelation, God will bless every business your hands are on. God will bless your nonprofit. God will bless your job. God will bless your family. If you get first a kingdom mentality, that's what we have to have in the church. And so this, this apostolic church, um, this, this operation and function of an apostolic church is one that is sent by God on an assignment and a mission. And I really believe with all of my heart that Jesus came to earth to show us what it looks like when God moves into a neighborhood. Mm. God moves into a neighborhood. And when God comes into a neighborhood, when Jesus is born, in fact, I believe it is the message translation that said, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Listen to me very carefully. I said this last week. If our churches, if, if Tullahoma, Athens, Cleveland, Chattanooga, if our churches can close down tomorrow and the city doesn't know it, we were not who God called us to be. There ought to be something about our presence and our people and the effervescence of the presence of God within us that even on Sunday morning or on Monday morning when you go into your job or Tuesday uh, when, when you are in school or whatever it is, there's something about the God in us that is making a difference in the cities that we are in. Can you say amen? Colonization. We were born from the kingdom of God. We were born of the spirit of God. God put us where he put us so that where we are can start reflecting the country, the kingdom from, who, from which we were born. We were born of the spirit. We were born of the kingdom of God. He translated us according to the book of Colossians from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. If that happened and we are sent by God, how many know that the the thing about our lives, the purpose, everybody say purpose. Come on, say purpose. The purpose of our lives is to begin to demonstrate that kingdom from which we came, the kingdom from which we were born, the king who we represent. Can you say amen? Now, why did I read this story to you tonight and last week, and then last week never even mentioned it again? What a horrible thing. But the reality of it is I read to you this story. Does anybody remember the prophecy we visited last week? Anybody remember the Chuck Pierce prophecy that I showed you? This, this, you just have to hear my heart on this. I, I couldn't have put this together. I just felt like God put it together. I felt like the Spirit of the Lord directed me in prayer with this uh, as I was praying and meditating on the Word of the Lord. I don't even know how long ago this was. Again, I carried that prophecy for years before I've shared it with anybody. 
because I don't just jump out and say, well, the Lord said, the Lord shall. I think you have to have some maturity and wisdom. And if you want to witness about that, talk to Joseph because he told his dream too prematurely and he almost jeopardized the call of God on his life. So I'm not going to just walk around saying, the Lord showed me and the Lord told me we were going to do this. When it's time, we'll release the word of the Lord. But sometimes you need to pray on the prophecy. Sometimes you need to make sure the prophecy came from God and was not of the, man, of, not of the person who gave it to you. And so I just sat on this. And as I prayed into this over the years, I don't remember when this came. I don't remember when this happened, but it's time for me to release this second part of this message. And you say, why don't you preach this on Sunday morning when, you know, the whole church is full? Well, the people who need to hear it are here tonight. If you come on Wednesday night, you are for real saved. If you come to church on Wednesday night, you are for real. So I know some of y'all are tired and hungry and Devin getting up here talking about fasting tomorrow and, oh, Jesus. I'm going to have to go get something to eat after church tonight. Mm-hmm. But stay focused here. Um, Jesus spent most of his time ministering to the Jewish people. How many would agree with that, right? He did. He spent most of his time trying to prepare the Jewish people um, for the kingdom that he was sent by his father, Yahweh, to inaugurate. The Bible says in the book of John, he came first to his own. So I can tell you very, very clearly from the scripture and with every ounce of authority I need to make the statement and it be uh, full of truth and veracity, I can tell you Jesus came first and primarily to the Jewish people to prepare them for the inauguration of the kingdom of God. They, however, missed the announcement. They were looking for a military king who would overthrow Rome. It never happened because the king God had in mind for Israel was not a military mighty ruler. He was a humble king who didn't come just to overthrow Rome. He came to overcome and overthrow sin. Because the real enemy was not Rome, the real enemy was sin. Rome is no longer even uh, a kingdom, as it were. Rome is no longer even a world power, as it were. But sin is still destroying lives. And the only way people can jump out of the misery of sin is to come through the miracle of God's grace through the blood of Jesus Christ into newness of life. And Israel missed it. And some have seen it and some have called it and some have turned to the Lord, but many have not. And this is what John would say. He came into his own and his own received him not. But to as many, to as many, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power, watch, not to become members of a church. I'm thankful for all your membership. I'm grateful we're all members and part of the family. But he gave us power to become sons and daughters of God. Not of flesh, not born of the will of man. This is all in John chapter one, but born of the will of God. And how many know that when, when Jesus was rejected and mm, thrown out by the Jewish people, he turned his heart toward Gentiles. It happened. I want to focus on that. Because he shows us something about colonization. 
And Decapolis, as I was praying through this prophecy over the years, Decapolis is interesting because I want you to look at the word Decapolis, underline it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Write down the word Decapolis and write it down like this, Deca and Polis, D-E-C-A and P-O-L-I-S. It's actually a compound word from the prefix, meaning uh, the prefix Deca, D-E-C-A, which means 10. Everybody say 10 and polis, which means city. This is where it gets crazy. So we get this 10 city prophecy seven years ago, and the Lord begins to speak to me one day in prayer about the Decapolis, 10 cities. It's not mentioned a whole, whole lot in the gospels because again, Jesus spends much of his time primarily focused on attempting to get the Jewish people to embrace the kingdom. When they reject him, he then turns his heart toward people who are thirsty, hungry, desperate, and in need of what he has. And he goes to a place several times called the place of 10 cities, the place of Decapolis. Everyone say Decapolis. And when I started reading this and I started, again, the Lord just started unpacking this in my heart and in my mind, I felt like God began to show me a picture of what colonization was to look like. How does our church, I can't speak for every other church. I can't represent every other uh, uh, family. I'm not here to, to fix everybody. I'm not here to talk to everybody. I, how many know Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things a pastor can do is find out those people who he is assigned to and speak into their life and build them up, edify them and encourage them and quit trying to fix everybody. Everybody is not my responsibility. I will not stand before God one day and, and, and be held accountable for people who were not assigned to hear what God had put in my spirit. I will stand before God as an elder in the Lord's church, a bishop in the Lord's church, and I will give an account for how I poured into those who I was, I was assigned to. I can't speak for every church, but for our church, hearing the prophetic word and it hitting me as it did, and then God showing me this whole thing about 10 cities. I want to ease into this and I want to talk to you and I about the power of how our church operates and functions as a sent church, a church on an assignment and a mission. And it's all right here in the Gospel of St. Mark. And I read you the story last week. And here's what I need you to understand. The reason I read this story, if you're waiting on the, what, why do we read this story? Everybody write this down. Gadara was one of the 10 cities in the Decapolis. Now, let, now check this out. In the Decapolis, there were 10 cities. How many churches, how, I mean, how many cities were in the Decapolis? How many cities did God call our house to? Okay, so we know that. So watch this. I'm, I'm praying this out. I'm walking through this in my prayer time. I begin to see God showing me a model of how to see transformation come to the 10 cities he sent us to. I don't have time to go through all of it tonight, but I wanted to focus on Gadara because Jesus goes, I wish I had time. Jesus gets on a boat and goes through the storm of the century to get to one of the cities in the Decapolis. In fact, if you back up and you read chapter four in the gospel of St. Mark, he looked at his disciples and said, let us go over to the other side. 
Have you ever seen that before? This is in the chapter before the one I read to you about him going to Gadara. He gets in, he is minding his own business and he's over here on the side of Galilee and he's doing all of his ministry with the Jewish people and then he looks at his 12 disciples and he said, let's go get in a boat and go to the other side. And they're all like, yeah, I'm up for it. Let's do it. So they all get in the boat and you know the story. When they had left the multitude, verse 36 of the fourth chapter, they got in the boat and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat, and it was filling up, and Jesus was in the back part of the ship asleep on a pillow. This is an amazing story. You, 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 we preach this. If you've been in church any length of time at all, you have heard a preacher preach on Jesus speaking peace to the storm. But I want you to understand this was not a normal storm. This was not a quick squall that popped up on the, on the Sea of Galilee. I believe with all my heart, if you research this storm, you will find out that it was a demonically assigned, sto- a demonically assigned storm that was intended to sink the boat and drowned Jesus and the disciples before they got over on the other side. You have never seen in your life a storm that fits into this category because I've never seen a storm as bad as it was beating into the ship, trying to beat the ship into pieces and destroy the boat. But it was trying to destroy the boat because of where the boat was going and who was on the boat and what was getting ready to happen on the other side. And I came to tell you today that this house over 22 years can testify. We got in a boat with Jesus. We followed him to the other side and sometimes we got in the middle of stuff that he didn't tell us we were going to get in when we got into the boat with him. But how many can testify tonight that every time you get in the boat with Jesus, it doesn't matter how bad the storm is. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. It doesn't matter how heavy and full the boat gets of water if he's on the boat you cannot sink. I wish I had some help on Wednesday night. Somebody in Athens, somebody in Cleveland, somebody in Tullahoma, somebody in Chattanooga, you need to hear me say this house has been through some storms, but I'm thankful to testify when the wind ceases and when the rain stops, we're still sailing, we're still on purpose, we're still on an assignment, and God hasn't finished it, and until God finishes it, the devil can huff and puff, but he cannot hinder what God has purposed. Somebody say amen. So he gets in a boat. He goes over. He takes a nap. And in the middle of a storm, he's asleep. And does someone say, how can you sleep in the middle of the storm? You sleep in a storm when the peace in you is greater than the storm going on around you. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's what they said, verse 38. He's asleep on a pillow. They woke him up. I think it ticked him off a bit. They said, do you not care that we are perishing? What did he do? He wakes up, he goes out, stands on the front of the boat, says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he looks at them and says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, wait a minute. They came and got Jesus. Isn't that faith? Mm, I'm getting ready to say something right here. They came and got Jesus. Jesus, wake up, save us. Isn't that faith? Isn't that faith? We would call that faith. We went to get Jesus so he could get up and fix the storm. Isn't that faith? And he says, where is your faith? 
Why does he say that? Because he wanted them, I feel like teaching right here, he wanted them to teach the storm a lesson and he wanted them to have the faith to speak to the storm and to say, y'all missing what I'm saying in here tonight. I hope somebody's catching what I'm throwing down. You got to understand that your faith is not just about you getting bailed out. Your faith is about you having enough confidence in the word of God Woo, that when a storm breaks out, you don't have to beg God for permission to give you peace in the storm. You open up your mouth and tell the storm, peace, be still. I believe with all my heart, he anticipated them speaking to the storm and the wind laying down and the waves being still. And we got to understand that true faith is not just God come bail me out. True faith is having the word of God on the inside and speaking to the stuff on the outside. Talk to me, Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And if they're going to live, they're not going to live just because God wants them to live. They're going to they're live because Ezekiel opens up his mouth and says, oh, dry bones, hear the word of, I didn't have this in my notes, but somebody better get this tonight. You've got the, you've got the power of God inside of you. Open up your mouth and tell the wind to shut up. Tell the storm to lay down. Tell the dry bones to come to life. Where is your faith? Woo, I think we ought to take a praise break for the word of God right there. Hallelujah. Okay, so he speaks peace and then he rebukes them and says, where is your faith? And, and they said, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So they cross over, went through the storm of a lifetime and they get off the boat and a demon possessed man runs up to him in one of the 10 cities of the Decapolis. And when he runs up to Jesus, he falls down and worships him. And you know this story. Um, he, he had come out of the tombs. He had unclean spirits. One of the gospels says, this is it, verse nine. Jesus said, what is your name? Now, I do not think the Lord is trying to teach us something about how to deal with demons. Because I see some of these people. Uh, you know, let's have a conversation with the devil. I don't want to talk to the devil. I don't want to have, I don't, I, I think the Lord was trying to get us to see something that this man was so full of so many demons. It was uh, a reflection of how demonically controlled this city was. Now, you know this city is in trouble because it's handling pigs, which are unclean things. And they have a business of uncleanliness. What is filthy and what is um, dirty is now the enterprise of Gadara. And Jesus says, what is your name? And they said, we are legion for me, we are many. And this man had issues, he was cutting himself, crying out, screaming out, just screaming and hollering out. This is all here in the text. He's crying out, living in tombs, wearing chains, cutting, breaking the chains into pieces, and then cutting himself. The whole city knows about this man. The entire city of Gadara knew about Legion. And nobody helped the poor man get delivered. 
the whole city is under a spell of darkness. They are dealing in pig farms. They are full of uncleanliness. There is a man there with many, 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 many devils. There I say thousands. And nobody cares. And Jesus goes over from one place of ministry, gets on a boat, survives the storm, gets off the boat, walks on the land. The dude runs up to him, falls down and starts worshiping him. Jesus says, who are you, legion, for we are many, and they start begging him. We know who you are. The demons in that city, one of those 10 cities, the demons in that man knew more about Jesus than the people in the city did. They said, we know who you are. You are the son of God. Um, and he said, do not torment me. Now, this is, this is interesting because Anybody in here afraid of demons, you got to know Jesus is not just, um, you know, this, he is a, how many know he's a comforting savior? How many know he's a precious savior? But how many know he torments the devils? I didn't say this. The Bible said that he, they were tormented by Jesus. You need to understand something. Jesus has so much authority. I don't know what you and, and, and our churches have taught people over the years. You know, Jesus and the devil are fighting it out. That is not how it's going. Jesus has already won. And every demonic power, no matter their rank and file, in the realm of darkness, every one of them know the power of Jesus. If we ever start casting demons out in somebody, and listen, I, in Cleveland and Athens and Tullahoma here in Chattanooga, if you go to a church where the presence of Jesus shows up, hear me tell you demon-possessed people are going to manifest. Well, I don't know if I want to go to a church like that. If Jesus shows up and there's a devil in it, the devil is going to cry out and manifest. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. I understand it makes you uncomfortable, but we're more interested in people's deliverance than we are in Christians feeling comfortable. Now, I'm not here to stir it up, and I'm not a demon chaser or a demon killer or nothing like that. But I just come to tell you, if you let the presence of God manifest, the devil will cry out. And when he does, nobody needs to run to the car. Nobody needs to run to the hallway. Oh, we better gather the kids. When I was growing up and demons got cast out, for some reason, we always thought we'd get to get the kids. The devil going to get in the kids. The devil is not getting in the kids. The devil is trying to find a, a place to run so far away from the presence of Jesus, he wants nothing to do with the kids. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. See, some of y'all are like, what's he talking about? If you was raised in a holiness church and they started casting the devil out, get the kids, get the kids. <laughs> kids are fine. The blood of Jesus torments the devil. The power of God torments the devil. The person of Jesus... I don't go demon hunting. I've never, I've told you that story. I'm not going to tell it again. I'm just going to tell you this. The devil is absolutely not afraid of our humanity, but he is absolutely tormented by someone dead to self, and the deity of Jesus is alive and well on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in you than the one living in the world. Somebody say amen. Now watch this. He delivers the man. If you're an apostolic church, you are going to be involved in deliverance. Tullahoma, Athens, Cleveland, Chattanooga, hear me please. You cannot preach the gospel and just think it's a little band-aid for decent people who needed a little religious band-aid. No, 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 there are people full of darkness 
And the gospel doesn't just work for good, middle-class, well-earning people who just need a little Jesus on the, the gospel works for the legion, for the man in the city full of the most devils. That's the power of Jesus. And I'm afraid the church is more interested in building a lot. And I got no problem with growth. I'm thankful for growth at every campus we have right now. I praise God for growth. But true growth is that when the enemy shows up, there's enough Jesus in the room to drive that darkness out so that people who were vexed and depressed and heavy and living in darkness can begin to walk in the light as he is in the light. If you're an apostolic church and you're on an assignment, you are not there to hold hands with demonic powers. You are there to see the devil run out of business. First John chapter three, verse eight. For this purpose was the Son of God. I'm, Rick told me not to stand up, and he rebuked me last week, so I'm going to sit down so everybody can see me in all the locations. But if you know what's in my heart, I want to jump up on this table right now, and I want to quote the Bible to you so that you know why Jesus came. Jesus did not come so we could all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, this is the reason that the Son of God showed up, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to put the devil out of business. Do you hear what I'm talking about? He came to put depression, drug addiction, sexual impurity, shame and guilt, condemnation, homosexuality, it doesn't matter what the, it, you might be a liar, you might wear a suit, be married to one wife, have four beautiful children, but you know you're not right with God because on the inside something is missing. I come to tell you, Jesus came to put the devil out of business and to give everybody hope. This is an apostolic church. This is what an apostolic church does. It doesn't just cohabitate with darkness. Somebody's got to give. Something's going to give up, and it ain't going to be Jesus. So we decrease so that he, Jesus, can increase. And as he increases, he drives the devil out of business. That's the kingdom. But how long y'all gonna be here till every sinner gets saved? Till every sick person gets healed? We're gonna keep preaching, praying, laying hands on people. I'm gonna keep hollering and sweating and speaking in tongues and preaching the Bible and showing up for prayer and giving in the offering until this city and Tullahoma and Athens and Cleveland look like heaven on earth. That's what we're gonna do. Well, we're not there yet exactly, which is why we're here tonight. Getting marching orders. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let me, let me wrap this up somehow. Jesus goes to one of the 10 cities. How are we going to see 10 cities colonized, transformed, and look more and more like heaven on earth? How? This is the plan. You invade those cities, the enemy manifests and shows up. Jesus takes authority. We, in his name and with his person on the inside of us, live in our righteous spiritual authority. 
We push back on the darkness. We see the deliverance of those in captivity. We walk in the anointed till the blind recover their sight and the bruised are healed up and those in prison are set free. Lives start being changed. Starts looking more and more, little by little. In fact, this story teaches us something about colonization. If we want to see our cities look like heaven on earth, you don't have to go looking for the multitude. Go looking for the man. God in heaven. I think I might preach on that one day. You don't have to get the multitude. Wonderful if the multitude comes. And the multitude will come. But it always starts with one man or one woman. This is one of the 10 cities, the Decapolis. I don't even have time to tell you about the Decapolis. The Decapolis are 10 cities that were Hellenized. Everyone say Hellenized. Write it down if you're taking notes. And you need to know this because Hellenization was in fact colonization. And it happened because of a man named Alexander the Great. Who ever heard of Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great was a Macedonian slash Greek leader. And his entire agenda was to go into the Decapolis and to Hellenize these 10 cities until they started to look like little Greece. He actually died before the 10 cities were Hellenized. But those who served him after he left, I wish you could catch the picture here, after he left and died, those whom he poured into actually succeeded in Hellenizing and colonizing the Decapolis. Jesus said, if the Jewish people don't want me, I'm getting on a boat. I'm going to one of the 10 cities and I'm going to start my own colonization process. I feel like teaching tonight. How is he going to start colonizing the Decapolis? He doesn't go for the multitude. He goes for the one who's full of multitudes of demons. Can we not pick a better person to start the church with? I mean, you're going to get your first member and he's the one everybody knows is cray, cray, cray. Like, who's your first deacon in your church? Legion. <laughs> no, 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 for real. Like, he, no, 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 for real. He's about to be the Sunday school teacher. Can't you start with, like, somebody, like, clean? No, I'm going to get the rankest, craziest person, and I'm going to so save and deliver them that when I bring him out, nobody in the city is going to wonder if I have power. Now, watch this. He puts him in his right mind. He puts him in his right mind. And Jesus, he, first of all, I say he was clothed and in his right mind. Clothed, you cannot be in your right mind if you're not clothed. Yeah. And he clothes him and puts him in his right mind. And the man looks at Jesus. Look at this, and I'm almost through. The man looks at Jesus and he begged him that he might go with him. Jaron, come help me, please. He begs him, let me go with you. Let me go with you. How many know that's a noble request? Come on, talk to me. How many know that's noble? Uh, there's something precious about this man. He was so transformed, he wanted to join the traveling 
evangelistic crusade of Jesus Christ, the anointed Messiah incorporated, right? He wanted to be like, he wanted to be like the campaign spokesman for Jesus crusades everywhere he went. Like I was hoping you would help me, but uh, <laughs> I was like, Whoa, angels are playing or something. Come on, George. Uh, that was funny. I love you, Jaron. You know that. Um, he said, can I go with you? L let me tell you why we need to place a greater value on people who can go into the city that they screwed up in. And their life be so transformed that everyone who knew their past sees the fingerprints of Jesus on their life and they say, man, only God could turn that kind of person around. You ready for this? One man gets delivered from thousands of demons. This is how you colonize cities. This is how we're going to transform. By the grace of God, this is how we will see transformation in Chattanooga, in Cleveland, in Athens, in Tullahoma, and beyond. This is how. One person at a time gets set free from the darkness in the past. And they want to go with you. Jesus, we want to go with you all over the world. We want to go everywhere you go. And Jesus says, you can't get on this boat. I want you to go back to the place you live. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Verse 19. And how he has had, don't miss this, compassion on you. Therein is the secret of colonization. The compassion of Jesus. Don't go tell them about judgment. Tell them about my love. Don't go tell them about how hard it is to serve me. Go tell them how much I loved you and how I rescued you. Now watch, the Bible says that this one man went back to the city and started telling everybody what the Lord had done. Look at this. And he began to proclaim in Decapolis, say Decapolis, all that Jesus had done for him. And what does the Bible say, the last three words? And all of them marveled. Do you know the next time Jesus came back to the Decapolis after this visit? He came back to another one of those 10 cities. Do you know what happened the next time he came back? A multitude followed him. A Gentile region with 10 cities full of darkness and full of Gentile sin. When Jesus came back there, multitudes followed him. How did they know about Jesus? One man who spent much of his life in a cave living in a tomb, walking around with chains on him, in and out of mental sickness. 
He's the, he's the first New Testament cutter. Several years ago, we heard this phenomenon happening, especially in our young people. It was demonic. Kids who were cutting themselves. They're not demonic, but the devil was attacking our children. There was so much pain on the inside. They were cutting themselves. This man was cutting himself, living in tombs, screaming and crying out. Jesus delivers him. And that one man gets delivered and goes back home to Gadara. And the next time Jesus comes to the Decapolis, he heals multitudes. How? One man. What's the point? If we're going to see 10 cities transformed, Tullahoma, Athens, Cleveland, and Chattanooga, hear me. We're going to have to love the one. Love the one. Love them so much with the love of God that when God transforms them, you can look at them and say, no, you don't have to move to Chattanooga. You don't have to move to Cleveland. You don't have to move to Oklahoma. You don't have to move to Athens. You stay right here in the city that you're in and tell everybody you know the good things that God has done for you. My concern is that the church sometimes, I'm talking about the church at large, get our eyes on the masses and we miss the man or the woman. But the key for city transformation is never in touching the masses. It's always in touching the one. Stand with me. Athens, Tullahoma, Cleveland, stand with me. Jesus invaded 10 cities that were Hellenized and had been one to the Greek culture by Alexander the Great and his entourage. And it blew the minds of Jewish people when he got on boats and went over lakes to minister to Gentile regions. He didn't have to. He was sent to his own, but they didn't receive him. So he'd go to places like Gadara. He'd go to places where the Syrophoenician Gentile woman was. Didn't have to go there. He didn't have to stop by Jericho on his way. He went out of his way because he wanted those cities to have, listen to me, a witness of the goodness of God and the compassion of Jesus. So our cities, we're gonna see transformation. I just decree that right now, that God is gonna give us 10 cities. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know by what means he's gonna do it, but here's what I wanna tell you. Those 10 cities, like the Decapolis, are full of people walking in darkness. City transformation doesn't happen just because we ignore them and build our churches with people who get ticked off and go to another church. That's wonderful, great. We've ticked a few off and they fill up other churches as well. The reality of it is true transformation. True transformation in a city happens when those farthest away from God find out they're not millions of miles away from Jesus. He's coming to them. That may, I'm standing up, it's okay. Everybody breathe. 
that man from Gadara would have never found Jesus. So Jesus got on a boat and he went to that man. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And the answer will be yes. Lord, I pray for Chattanooga, Cleveland, Athens, and Tullahoma. Here's what I hear the Lord whispering to me right now. I just want you to lift your hands at every campus. Open your heart. Here's what I, here's what I hear the Lord saying to me. If today Jesus came and said, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. How many are in for the ride? No, whoa, whoa. He doesn't go tell you about the storm. But I can promise you no matter the storm, you're going to make it. I don't even know what's going to happen. I just know you're going to make it. And not only are you going to make it, you're going to see success. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? So if Jesus came to redemption to the nations tonight in Tullahoma, in Athens, in Cleveland, in Chattanooga, and he said, I'm just trying to find out who's in with me, who's in. Who will get on the boat and go to the other side and, and, and go to the 10 cities and go to the Gentile area and go where it looks like darkness prevails? Who'll go with me so that we can see true transformation? True transformation. Well, I want to have good Sunday church services. I want to see a city changed. And we will have good church services and Sunday morning can be powerful and it should be powerful. But there are some people, their only Christian experience, the pinnacle of their Christian life is Sunday morning from 10 until 12. And I want to tell you the world that needs the Jesus in us may never come to this building. Somebody's got to get in a boat. Somebody's got to go get them. So I'll ask you one more time, in all locations, the whole family, if Jesus came tonight and said, let's go to the other side, who's in? Lord, give us a church that's all in. Give us a church that's a company of people who are interested not in getting in a boat and going to the other side to condemn the man full of demons, but somebody who will get in a boat and go show the compassion of Jesus. <sighs> oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. 
when nothing else could help, love lifted me. So fill our house with love. Come on, lay hands on your heart. Fill our hearts from every campus, Lord. Tullahoma, Athens, Cleveland, and Chattanooga. Everybody watching later, fill our hearts with love. Give us the kind of Christian love that gets us in a boat, going to the other side, walking into the darkness under an apostolic assignment, not just to win church people or religious people, but to find those who are broken, busted, and disgusted in life and to tell them there's hope, to tell them there's help, to tell them that the grace of God can save them. Transform cities, Lord. Give us the authority to see demons driven out. Set the captive free. Set the captive free and turn the whole city upside down. And we're gonna do something different right now. I wanna take one minute for each campus and I want every campus to pray for the campus I'm about to tell you to pray for right now. So are you ready? Everybody start with Tullahoma. Don't leave yet. Just give me one, just give me four minutes. I want everyone right now just to lift your voice for Tullahoma. I want every campus praying for Tullahoma for the next 60 seconds. God, turn the city. Come on, let's turn it into a prayer meeting right now. Turn the city of Tullahoma. Get a prayer partner by the hand if you need to. Come on, Father, turn the city of Tullahoma upside down. I pray for an invasion of the compassion of Jesus. Come on, Cleveland, pray for Tullahoma. Come on, Athens. Come on, Chattanooga, pray for Tullahoma. We pray for Tullahoma that the drug addict, that the broken, that the despair, that those who are hopeless and living in darkness would be delivered. I pray for councilmen. I pray for businessmen and women. I pray for drug addicts. I pray for closet alcoholics. I pray for men who are living in misery and women who cannot find hope and help. Tonight we pray for our Tullahoma family that the love of God, the compassion of Jesus would flow from the Tullahoma family and that lives would be transformed and that people would be changed and that a harvest would come in. Oh God, give us these cities. May they be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let a fresh anointing come upon the Tullahoma family in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the harvest. We thank you for the souls and we thank you for the turnaround that's coming to Tullahoma. Come on and give God praise for it right now. Come on and let's praise him. Every campus, let's give him praise for what he's gonna do in Tullahoma. Ready? Number two, everybody pray for the next 60 seconds for Athens, Tennessee. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift our voice for our Athens family. We thank you for our Athens campus. We decree and declare, woo! I thank you for what you're doing in Athens. I thank you that the yoke is being destroyed. In Come on. I thank you that the religious yoke is being broken. I thank you that the God of breakthrough is breaking through in Athens. Tennessee. I thank you that McMinn County will see the goodness of the Lord. I pray God against the drug rings and the and the prostitute rings, Lord, and the uh, uh, the trafficking. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. The, the trafficking rings. You're breaking it down in McMinn County. The fentanyl is going to dry up in McMinn County. Come on. We decree it and declare it. Our sons and daughters are going to be delivered. Our mothers and fathers are going to have joy. Let it break Break forth in Athens in the name of Jesus.
Jesus transformed that city. Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, come on, get with this. Somebody get involved with me. We give you praise for what's coming to Athens. Hallelujah. Now let's pray for Cleveland. Father, we pray. Come on, every camp, every campus. We pray for Cleveland. We thank you that the glory of the Lord will cover Cleveland like the waters cover the sea. And I decree and declare that those hurt by religion are coming home to the house of the Father and they're going to be healed from religious wounds. And we will throw a party in Cleveland that every prodigal is coming home in the name of Jesus. Save the lost. Deliver the bound. Set the captive free. Heal the sin-sick soul. Set them free by the power of the grace of God. I speak revival, refreshing, and awakening over the city of Cleveland in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing there. Get the glory for yourself, Lord God. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise for it right now. Now turn it up, Chattanooga. I want everybody to pray for Chattanooga right now. Oh God, cover Chattanooga in the power of the grace of God. Send an awakening. Shake the foundations of the church. Shake the foundations of religion. Shake it in Jesus' name. Shake it till the preachers preach the truth. Shake it till the sinners come to the end of themselves and find the beginning of life at the foot of the cross. We pray for the power of God over this city. Break through the darkness. Shatter the yokes of bondage. Break every chain and set the captive free in this city. Let the love of God flow down the streets of this city in the precious name of Jesus. Now lift your voice on every campus right now and thank him that the power to change a city is not in us, but it is in the name that is above every other name the name of Jesus how many know that name has great power tonight somebody shout hallelujah we thank you Lord we speak blessing and the grace of change and transformation Lord we don't have all ten cities yet but the four we have we will contend and continue to believe that they're going to look more like heaven on earth. In Jesus' name. And the family said amen. Come on, everywhere, let's give him one more praise before we go. Hallelujah. I feel the power of God tonight. Shake hands and hug necks with everybody. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. 7 a.m. right here, noon right here, and tomorrow night from 6 until 8 p.m. right here, 6 till 8 tomorrow night. Get to one of these prayer times. It's going to be glorious. I love you all. Go in the peace of God.